Chapter 3 Ancient Goddess Apollyon stopped his silly, unthinking, aimless trotting and looked around, remembering that she was still there. Surrounded by twenty panels of corral fence, he remembered how small his world had become. He turned to focus on her again. But still, Ishtar refused to acknowledge Apollyon. He was still alone in this circle. And then she moved, and he jumped. This repeated a few times, precisely the same way each time. Eventually, Apollyon's curiosity overcame his fear, and he extended his neck her way, touching her upper arm with his muzzle. Immediately he retreated, but only by pulling his head back. His feet didn't move. He waited a few moments, less than ten seconds, before carefully swinging his head to where it was before. He pushed his muzzle into her arm again, now a little deeper, and then he nuzzled her. But that was enough for Ishtar. Knowing horses, growing up with them as she had, she knew this could be a prelude to a nasty bite, and she shook him off. She took a deep breath, invigorating herself, refocusing her mind, readying for the next move. He saw the sudden awakening and became cautious again. This was a living thing. Yes, it could be a predator, but he had tested her intentions, one by one, step by step, as his mind slowly lost worry about the threat she posed. So he allowed her to touch him. Hello, Polly and my friend, she said warmly. Her face softened as she smiled. Good feelings, Hojo, flowed through her, through both of them. She was at peace. This is good enough, my friend. We will talk soon, she promised him as she turned her back and signaled to the Mariano to drop the fence. The soldiers lowered their shields and drifted apart, carefully and quietly. The stallion saw the opening and cantered through it in a lazy, unhurried pace, holding his tail high and his ears up. As he flew by Katie, she could see his eyes were calm. He was himself again. Yes, he told Ishtar, he had had a good time. I'm glad. There will be another time. So long for now, Katie said silently. Well done, Ishtar, Tomla complimented her as he stumbled noisily into her quiet, thoughtful space. You've done something father has never done. Toma was very impressed. Being close to Ishtar swelled him with pride. Thank you, Toma, Ishtar replied. Where's my chariot? Father told me he would like you to ride with him in the coach. Very well, but my chariot and horses must be. Ishtar, you are not to worry. Father has arranged everything. Katie was inwardly glad to be riding in the coach where she could sit down. She had not yet healed from her bullet and grenade wounds, and had used her endurance reserves to focus on Apollyon. It had been hard for her to ignore the pain, but she needed to pull this off. These people were expecting her to show them marvelous, even magical and divine things, and she had to wing it as best she could. She had taken her helmet and armor off before the round pen session so as not to scare Apollyon, and now wondered if she would have to put it back on. She was that tired. But once again, Kikoli was right there at the right time. I have room for one goddess, the fellow began in a low tone. Have you seen any? he asked, looking around. He timed his head turning perfectly so that he was looking at Ishtar herself when he said any in Sumerian. His manner made her smile and relax. It didn't matter that she didn't really understand the language, but many of his friends didn't understand the nuances offered by Kikoli. He knew Ishtar was flesh and blood, yet he didn't question her supposed divinity. Although she had only known him for a week, Katie was very much at ease with Kikoli. He was one of those rare individuals whom she decided she could trust without a second thought. Yes, she had moments of great fear. He may be a con man, her cautious voice warned her. 
Don't trust him. Don't trust anyone. You may end up losing all you have. I don't have shit anyway, Katie answered the dissonance. If I follow your horribly timid view of life, I will be alone forever and forever. I have to start with someone. And with that, she shut her terror down. There is a place for you, Ishtar, Kikali reminded her, encouraging her forward. She must have stopped walking, and he had taken her hand. He was touching her. Ever since her convalescence, people had been giving Katie wide berth. She thought it was because they pitied her, wobbling about like a creaky witch. Actually, it was because she was royal and divine. Lowly humans never touched a goddess. But Kikali was different. She remembered her last conversation with him, when he told her she could have the world if she wanted it. And you said okay, remember? She reminded herself. You decided you would take it and run with it to help yourself and those you love. That is your goal right now. Now just go do it. With his touch, Katie realized how much she missed physical contact with another human, how much she needed it. He slid his hand up her arm and cupped it under her elbow, more fully supporting her. Yes, she could trust Kikali. Thank you, Kikali, she replied as he guided her up into the low coach. She sat down comfortably, allowing herself to experience waves of powerful feelings, allowing another to help her regain her peace, her hoishal. Once loaded, the chariots ready to move, as calls of ha and Sumerian rang out. Toma, at the front, stood facing backward in the first chariot, waiting for the signal from his father. When Kikali assumed his seat and rechecked his precious cargo, he nodded. The coach attendant raised his flag, Toma waved an acknowledgment, and the chariot train started. Katie felt better the second she sat down. She had been concentrating, standing, and moving continuously for more than six hours, but now she was pleased at how quickly she improved. Somehow Kikali knew just sitting was all she really needed. Thank you, Kikali, she said to him again. He nodded and smiled. I've been thinking, she began and paused. Go on, he said. Well, you want me to be strong, to not be afraid, to go after what I must. I hear that from you. However, Kikali, I do not know what I am seeking. I have no idea what allegiances to make. I don't even know who I can trust besides Rene. She looked deeply into his eyes for a moment. And you. First, be still and look inside yourself. Listen to your fears. Are your fears there today? If your only worry is a matter of whom you can trust, then know that everyone has those moments and you are fine. He paused, cocking his head. Are you fine, Ishtar? She shook her head. Why not? Listen to that. Listen carefully and you will hear your answer. I feel threatened, Kikali. By whom? By Mudad? By the Yusidi? She kept her eyes closed, her head bent towards the ground. She shook her head again. No, the Yusidi people saved my life. Then start there. They are your foundation. They value you enough to protect and nurture you. You must protect them in return to pay the favor back. Once the favor is repaid, you may leave if you feel it is the correct thing to do. His answer was so simple and elegant. She now realized how lucky she was to have found such a wise man as a counselor. Thank you, Kikali, she said. You have made my way clear. I will leave for Lalish in the morning. I believe there is a disease outbreak occurring and they have no idea what to do about it. End of chapter